Conversation Reparations. Welcome to the video show Conversation Reparations brought to you by the National Coalition of Blacks for Reparations in America, better known as NCOBRA. So, uh, my name is Brother Jumoke Isetayo. I currently serve as the Southeast Regional Representative of NCOBRA, and I will have been facilitating these shows. We bring you information about what's going on in the reparations movement and what is the work that Encobra is engaged in on the first and third Monday of each month. And so today, again, we always say this, so we say it again, we have a powerful show lined up for you today. Today we're going to be focusing on Selma Jubilee uh, 2020 and what I'm calling reparations infusion into Selma Jubilee 2020, and we also have we'll have a guest. Uh, we also have a guest on the line, Brother Shabaka, who is the national treasurer of Encobra and was also in Selma uh, this past uh, week uh, as a part of the reparations infusion. Uh, greetings, Brother Shabaka. Greetings, brother, and uh, thank you for the invitation. And uh, greetings to your your listening audience. Appreciate the uh, opportunity to share my thoughts. All right, all right. Well, I'm going to kind of um, go in a kind of chronology order of, of different things that we did, and then at a certain point I'll just bring you in and you can share your reflections, uh, you know, kind of like overall of some of the different things that, uh, you know, we did or just, you know, just overall, not necessarily the specific things, but just, your, you know, overall type of things. So I guess we should um, back up a little bit and just explain for some people who may or may not know what Selma Jubilee is. So Selma Jubilee is the only annual gathering uh, civil rights commemoration that every year. It's an annual gathering. It, it started out as people were reenacting the Bloody Sunday when the uh, civil rights leaders and, and community, we call them the foot soldiers, uh, marched across the Edmund Pettus Bridge and was responded uh, brutally by the uh, law enforcement, FBI, and just others. Um, we don't even know who all was in that crowd and um, were uh, beat viciously, uh, tear gassed, 
And then a second time they started to to do this, they decided to turn back. And then on the third time they just, they were successful in crossing the bridge and move, and moving all the way um, about 40, 50 miles uh, over several days to ending up in Montgomery, Alabama, walking from Selma, Alabama to Montgomery, Alabama. And, and it was that particular march that uh, had a large influence on the passing of the Voting Rights Act in the United States in uh, 1965. So again, every year, and this this event has grown to be quite a big event. If you've never attended, I encourage you to attend it at least one time because it's very uh, special and transformative. I even heard uh, Joy Reid today talking about how she had been to Selma before, but uh, I guess as a news commentator, she was covering it and actually herself didn't actually experience the reenactment and talked about how experience the reenactment had much more uh, impact in her spirit and her life. So, and again, this jubilee is uh, really expanded to a whole week of activities. It includes a mock trial. It includes uh, many. Uh, well, they say over 40 events, which includes workshops, uh, breakfast, uh, special lunches, special breakfast, special uh, a banquet. Uh, so many, many activities, and we're going to go into some more detail about some of those activities. So it was our intent as the National as in Cobra to make a strong presence throughout the Jubilee weekend at as many events and have as big an impact as we could because our national convention will be in Selma in 2020, June 25th through the 28th. And I just thought about that we probably need to do a show soon on the national convention that's coming up. And so we've developed a rapport, again, everything has a backstory, so we've actually have developed a rapport with Fire Toure, also known as Rose Sanders, who is the uh, visionary and the lead organizer for this Jubilee um, every year. This is the 55th year now since uh, Bloody Sunday. And, and we've developed a rapport with her, and so she has been become supportive of reparations and, and supportive of Encobra specifically. Uh, she's been on the board of Encobra, and even though she doesn't hold a board position right now, she still is active with Encobra and supports the idea of reparations. So we began, so that gives you some of the background. So we began um, the week actually on Monday, uh, February the 24th, the city councilman, excuse me, city councilwoman, Angela Robinson, excuse me, Angela Benjamin. Oh, my goodness. Okay, let me let me slow down here. Angela, city councilwoman, Angela Benjamin. Uh, and it's really interesting how spirit works. She, was, she does a program with young black males every year during Black History Month, and we were just speaking with her about if we could make a short presentation about our convention to these young black men and um, disseminate flyers. And as it turned out, her keynote speaker uh, dropped out. So I ended up being the keynote speaker for her Black Men Heal program, which had over 90 young men from 6th grade through 12th grade from local high school and middle schools in Selma. And so there were several other men who did presentations on business and health and values and brotherhood, and, and 
I close out the presentation by combining what they talked about and wrapping it all up in, around reparations. And as well, we also disseminated flyers for our convention at that event. On Wednesday, February the 26th, um, the same city councilwoman, uh, Angela Benjamin, uh, does a, uh, did her annual Black History Month program. And again, at that um, program, we were able to speak. Um, Brother Malik Shabazz, who's also an Encoba board member, um, performed. He's also a spoken word artist. He performed a couple of poems and spoke about our convention. And again, at that event, we disseminated flyers to the children, to the youth groups, as well as to their parents and teachers, uh, and inviting them to come back, inviting them to be a part of the uh, Encoba convention coming up in June. February 25th is National Reparations Awareness Day uh, declared by NCOBRA, and so we encourage our chapters and NCOBRA members and supporters to do something to increase the awareness of reparations movement in uh, their local city at, at their chapter. And so this year uh, I decided to move I decided to actually we did a reparations awareness day show on Black Talk Radio in Atlanta on February 25th, actually on National Reparations Awareness Day on a popular talk show in Atlanta. However, we also decided to do reparations awareness day in Selma. So we networked with Wallace Community College and Fiatory likes to just say community college and not <laughs> honor Wallace. So we'll say we'll follow in that vein um, in, at the community college in Selma. We did a reparations awareness day program in conjunction with Dr. Tara White, who is a history professor there at uh, the community college. And so we did a presentation on, on reparations movement, some of the landmarks and some of the key uh, successes and milestones that we had in 2019, as well as we showed a film made by a young uh, millennial named Torian Hodge, who did a film called uh, The Reparations Film Project, and we showed his film, and he actually came to answer questions and to talk about the process of putting that film together. And we also had our uh, Dr. May Christian, who was a foot soldier, we call uh, foot soldier, people who were actually there in Selma, and, and during that first walk that I spoke about, Dr. May Christian, who was also a board member of Encobra, a longtime member of Encobra, and she also shared some of her uh, her story about the experiences uh, in, in Selma. February 27th, that evening, is, is a, traditionally there's a mass meeting. Uh, the mass meeting this year was held at Tabernacle Church. Um, Tabernacle Church, as I learned, was actually the, the church that had the first mass meeting in Selma in organizing for the voting rights campaign that was going on there in Selma. And we distributed flyers at that event. And then Saturday, excuse me, that's Thursday, and then again, we're more and more events coming into towards the weekend. So on Friday, February the 28th, we 
there is the annual children's sojourn, and it just so happens that the our uh, Selma chapter uh, chairperson, uh, chairwoman, uh, Sister Abayomi coordinates the children's sojourn, has been coordinated for many years, and she's also our local on-the-ground person there in Selma within COBRA, helping us to organize our national convention there. So we, again, talked about the convention during the children's sojourn. Um, hundreds of young people came from different schools in Selma, as well as a few schools outside of the Selma area. Uh, I opened up with a libation. She spoke around reparations throughout the children's sojourn. Very um, entertaining when she had a steel pan group and young people that performed African dance. Um, uh, there was a kalimba player, just a very uh, wide range of, of talent. Uh, uh, many people may not know the story. If you may have heard of the movie Selma Lord Selma, which is a story about a young uh, eight-year-old girl who got involved in the movement even at the um, going against the wishes of her parents and actually ended up developing a rapport uh, with um, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King. And so that's been turned into a movie by Disney. Disney is called Selma Lord Selma, and her name is Cheyenne Webb. Well, Cheyenne Webb is now uh, an adult again 50 years later. However, she showed up and talked to the children about what it was like being a child uh, interested in the movement uh, at eight years old. It was really uh, a fascinating story to me. You know, one of one of the stories that she told was the fact that she was saying that when they sprayed the tear gas and, and they began to run, um, she said that uh, Hosea Williams, uh, again, another one of the icons in the civil rights movement, Reverend Hosea Williams, um, scooped, picked her up and was running with her and she said, you know, in a way that a child would say it, she said, put me down because you're not running fast enough. <laughs> yeah, that was an interesting story. So anyway, um, I'm going to bring you in here in a minute, uh, uh, Brother Shabak. I know you probably weren't in town yet. When did you get in town? Um, Friday? Brother Chewbacca? Yes, I got in town uh, uh, Friday, uh, just a little afternoon. Yeah, so when we get to the time when you're involved, we can bring you in. So, okay. All right. So Friday morning, also for the, for the adults during uh, Friday morning was the Education Summit. Um, we had uh, Brother Greg Kamathi Carr, who's a friend of Incobra. He also spoke about reparations and we were scheduled, we had our Queen Mother of Vancouver, uh, National Female Co-Chair, was scheduled to speak, but somehow that portion of the program didn't quite happen, I understand. However, we did um, talk to people and network with people and distribute the flyers of the Vancouver Convention at that event. And then Friday afternoon is the mock trial. And the mock trial, one of the lawyers was... Um, uh, Ajo Ayaturo, one of the founding members of Encobra, longtime activist uh, for in reparations and for Encobra specifically. I believe she was the first female co-chair of Encobra, and so she was one of the lawyers that was taking on the case of the case was around should the 
victims of Bloody Sunday, which I spoke about earlier, should the victims of Bloody Sunday uh, receive um, compensation in the form of reparations. And so um, Brother Kamal Jawanza, also a board member, former national treasurer, was one of the witnesses on the stand. And the mock trial did deliver a, a favorable uh, verdict, I believe it was $1 trillion, and, and the person who read the verdict said they felt there should be more, but the, they agreed to at least $1 trillion that should be uh, paid to the victims and their descendants of the uh, Bloody Sunday um, attack. And so the mock trial, and actually um, for many years now, the mock trial has sent around reparations. It's been different specific cases. Uh, however, we've it's it's always been linked, not always, but like I said, maybe over the last four or five years, we have there's been a link between the mock trial and and reparations. And so you were uh, well, you were actually outside, I believe, brother uh, brother Shabaka was outside um, collecting names and disseminating information about Encobra. We were set up right outside the mock trial, and then the mock trial dovetailed into. Uh, another conversation with a panel of uh, people on that and on that panel I believe um, brother uh, Dr. Ray Wimbush is also in COBRA board member was on that panel so what we've done is you can kind of get a sense of what I'm saying is that all of the um, panels it's not all the panels, many panels as possible we work towards getting an COBRA board member on the panel to bring in the perspective of reparations. So whether it's around education, whether it's around mass incarceration, whether it's around voting rights, whether it's around health and wellness, whatever the issue, we can always link it back to reparations. So I'll take a pause here, and if you want to give some, some feedback, Brother Shabaka. Yes, sir. Thanks again for, for the invitation. Yes, as I said earlier, I, I arrived uh, Friday around noon, and I did get an opportunity while I was at the uh, Wallace Community College uh, to witness some of the uh, things and events that were going on. And what really impressed me uh, tremendously was the uh, participating and showing up of our youth. Uh, it was uh, a great inspiration to me. And it gives an idea of an attempt, which maybe we may not have been successful in the past, of an attempt, you know, to begin to press on and transmit this information and give the uh, youth uh, the ammunition that they may need, all right, to carry it forward, if in fact it's uh, not to our calling this time, all right, to bring full reparations to our people. And what I mean by that, you know, the mission, our mission of Encobus to win full reparations for the genocidal war against Africa that resulted in the uh, transatlantic slave trade, which we call the Mahafa. Uh, but not only that, you know, the chattel slavery that took place after it, uh, the Jim Crow and chattel slavery, which continue, which is we continue to call this vestiges today. Uh, and some people might say the gentrification that's going on in our community, the mass incarceration, uh, the breaking up of the family and a number of other things. So it was, it was very uh, inspiring to me to see the young folks there and have them participate and gain the information that uh, many of our uh, leadership uh, brought to them, as well as the uh, dialogue that took place uh, while they were there. So I, I was very impressed uh, with that happening. Yes, yes, yeah. And, just, and, and thanks for um, bringing the young people in, because I didn't mention 
in addition to our convention being in Selma in June, we've just, we have decided to focus on young people. So that's probably why uh, Brother Chewbacca had his eye um, open in terms of seeing the participation of young people because our national convention this year, we have as our theme reparations today, what the youth them say with the intention of working on bringing in more youth into the reparation movement. Uh, many of our, our conventions tend to be um, uh, populated by people with, with a lot of gray hair and, and maybe 60-plus years old. So this year we have made a concerted effort. Uh, it's our intention to bring in younger people uh, to pick up the baton and continue to move forward the reparations movement. So, yes, thank you for um, bringing that conversation in about the young people. So Friday evening was the premiere of a film called Justice on Trial. And it's just so interesting, again, like I said, how, how the, uh, I say how, how things come together in, in divine order. Justice on Trial is a film about reparations. Uh, it started out as a stage play, and, and it just recently was turned into a film, and it premiered in about 40 cities excuse me, not 40, about four cities uh, uh, this past weekend, and Selma being one of those four cities. And so some of the, the film producer was there in Selma, as well as some of the cast members, some of the cast members who have roots in Alabama uh, came to that particular, uh, came to the film premiere that was held in, Al in Alabama. And it talks, basically, it's a trial where people people of African descent or black people take the Department of Justice to trial for reparations. The ask is for $6.4 trillion. And so that movie aired at the, um, at the uh, film theater in Selma. And again, we attended that event and disseminated flyers, uh, met with the producer and the cast, took uh, pictures on the red carpet and all that good stuff. And so um, continue, and, and we'll continue to, I think in Cobra needs to work, um, we should consider getting more involved with uh, connecting with the um, filmmaker and the producer of this um, film that's now um, getting ready to continue to um, move around the United States Justice on Trial. It features as as uh, expert witnesses, I guess you could say. It, it features uh, um, someone a portrayal of Harriet Tubman, a portrayal of Mecca Evers, and a portrayal of Emmett Till as the three. Um, they call them in the film iconic witnesses for uh, our reparations claim. All right, so let's see. Moving into Friday, also there was, um, yeah, I mentioned this already, that there was a, what's called a public conversation that was held after the mock trial uh, in which uh, Dr. Ray Wimbush was one of the uh, panelists on that. So Saturday is, uh, Saturday and Sunday, the, obviously the big day. Um, Saturday morning, um, be, begins with what's called the Foot Soldiers 
breakfast. And I've been coming to Selma for many years. This is the first year that I actually attended the foot soldiers breakfast. I had no idea that it was so um, well attended. Um, hundreds of people come to the foot soldiers breakfast and and it was very uh, lively. I wasn't able to stay the whole time, but I got some of it. Uh, and also at the foot soldiers foot soldiers breakfast, our foot soldier, which I mentioned earlier, Dr. May Christian, was there at the door um, giving people information about the INCOBRA convention, as well as getting people to sign our petition um, that we have to support the reparations movement. Excuse me, Brother uh, uh Jim, okay, uh, before you sure. jump to uh, Saturday, could we go back to uh, the uh, mock trial? Um, sure. Right. Uh, although I didn't have an opportunity like I did last year, I don't think the year before, when I attended uh, to uh, witness, you know, the, the proceeding. I was outside, mm -hmm. and as you said earlier, I was outside and, and uh, um, handing out information and, and engaging in conversation, uh, Brother Kamal. Uh, as Humi mentioned also. I think what's significant about uh, uh, what went on, the proceedings that went on, the event that went on, is that when people came out and began to talk, you know, it was easy for, well, let me not say easy, I'm not, I don't want to characterize it as, as such, but, you know, we, we engaged in the conversation that, you know, they were witnessing the trial, we were talking a little bit about reparations, and hopefully I think that, at least uh, unless I read everything wrongly, uh, they were engaged, and, and they did see a connection between some of the stuff that we were talking about and the injustice that was represented by bringing uh, the mock trial uh, up there. So uh, through that conversation and dialogue, we were able to see each other's point where they might not necessarily had, uh, and these are the older generation, this is not the youth, but it's the older members, uh, some with gray hair, uh, got an opportunity to discuss uh, a little bit more detail. They have heard about reparation because some of the presidential candidates of those who are no longer candidates, but those in the earlier stage, uh, talk about reparation, and we got an opportunity to talk. So I thought that was good. I wanted to bring that to your listening audience, that the, the groups coming together do have an opportunity to engage, to dialogue, give perspective, and, you know, sometimes you might see that uh, – you know, you have some um, some points that are very much similar. That's all I want to add. No, I appreciate it. That's good. Yeah, we. It's important, as I said earlier, that we are able to show our people that you know. I think sometimes people think like reparations is this abstract idea or this pie in the sky, or they don't see necessarily, like you said, the connection to actual historical events or even um, current day events. And so, you know, within COBRA, you know, we did come up with something called the five injury areas, you know, health and education, wealth and poverty, um, criminal justice, and peblehood nationhood. And, with, and within that, we're able to show people how events in the past as well as current events all um, can be addressed under a reparations, I call it reparations umbrella. And so, yeah, thank you for, uh, again, bringing that out because I think it is you know, sometimes people come to Selma and they seem to be almost singularly focused on their particular issue, or they may be more singularly focused on, like, like voting rights and, and what happened on Bloody Sunday. But, you know, we've been, I think we've been beginning to make headway in the mock trial is one particular way that we've been beginning to make some headway in people seeing how reparations can be linked to different issues and linked to 
what happened with the Voting Rights Act and Bloody Sunday and, and all of that. So, yeah, that's uh, very important. Because otherwise, it, it just seems like, you know, like you know, could be considered as early just like this abstract or uh, pie-in-the-sky kind of uh, idea. And when it really is connected to uh, all of the, in my opinion, all of the challenges that we face as people of African descent. Mm-hmm. Yes, I agree. Yeah, so um, so we were into uh, Saturday. We had, uh, there was also, again, more workshops. One of the workshops, we had our uh, dear brother, Dr. Leonard Dunstan, who was also an ECOBA board member, was a um, facilitator of the Warriors and Wellness Workshop. And Saturday also is, Saturday and Sunday is also the uh, street festival. And so, again, we, you know, so many different, like I said, different ways we, we attempt to be involved. And so one of the, again, board members of Encobra, Brother Malik Shabazz, is also a vendor. And he does T-shirts and his wife does crochet. So they were actually set up engaging people around reparations in Encobra at the street festival. And even at the street festival, uh, it was also interesting that uh, we both ran into um, Ados and, not going to say too much about that, but uh, another group who um, say that they are working on reparations. Uh, they were also set up there as well. And so we we had T-shirts and we had in Cobra flyers and information. And then as a part of the opening of, of the street festival, again, Sister Yomi, who works with young people in Selma, she has um, been teaching them African dance and drums. So they performed at the festival and while they performed um, we held up the Encoba banner advertising our convention coming to Selma as well as um, Sister Yomi talked about and invited people at the street festival to come back to um, Selma for the Encoba National Convention so again so many different ways we were infusing reparations into and not only we, we did that at the at two different stages where the African, where the young, where the young people did the African dance and drum, and we held, we had the banner and we discussed uh, the importance of the Encorpa Convention that was coming up. We also had our Encorpa in, in also sponsored a meeting during the during the Jubilee weekend. Uh, it was called Reparations Now, uh, and we had that meeting in the afternoon of Saturday. And then Saturday evening is the Freedom Flame um, Banquet. Uh, again, I was uh, asked to do the libation statement at that event. Again, we invited people to join to come to the Encorpa Convention, as well as at the close of the Freedom Flame Banquet. Uh, again, Mama Fire Ture did also announce our convention. Uh, at this time, we usually take a break in our show, so why don't we... Go ahead and do that. Okay. Thank you, Brother Jamoke. In lieu of our uh, regular break, I'm just going to start making this announcement on the programs that I engineer and the ones that I do as well. Check out New Abolitionist Radio on Sunday nights. Um, We desperately need people to make donations to the Black Talk Media Project. 
which is a nonprofit. So those tax, those uh, donations are tax deductible. Uh, we've been having some trouble here uh, meeting our financial ab obligations for the different things we had to pay for to keep the network going. We've been going for 12 years with the minimum amount of people donating. Probably no more than two or 300 people have donated in those 10, uh, 10 years. Well, excuse me, going, we're in our 12th year. Um, and we have tens of thousands every month, uh, upwards of 30,000 one month to 50,000 the next month who are downloading podcasts and listening to the streams. And this does cost money. Um, nothing's free in this world. So please, um, if you're able, we understand how uh, many of our people in dire need of uh, financial help themselves. I was just looking at Charlotte today. Over a thousand people lined up to get into 130 units of affordable housing. Can't even afford to live in the city that they was born in. So I do understand that. But if you're able, please make a tax-deductible donation to the Black Talk Media Project. And you can just go to blacktalkradionetwork.com and you'll see the donate buttons. Thank you, Brother Jamoke. Right. Thank you, Brother um, Scott Reed. Appreciate appreciate this um, platform so we have to uh, do better so we understand we all be, have those challenges in COBRA, we do too so we, we can see what we can do to encourage some of our, our our members and supporters to support the radio and this radio station and this important platform that we have so at this time, I think uh, I'll just prep, maybe give some, maybe just some more overall uh, assessments, and I'll bring Shabaka back in to kind of give some overall assessments as we um, move towards the um, last part of this show. Um, what, one of the things that was um, that I think was impactful for me also as an activist and organizer and working with, seeing how we can get more support for our convention coming to Selma was, well, first of all, there were many, many, many youth groups that were that were there at Selma. Some of them were youth performing groups, like, uh, for example, praise dance groups and step teams, and then there were other just youth groups, just like church groups and uh, different other types of uh, groups. So we, we did a lot of networking and um, with those groups and we can see that if you know thousands of people can come to jubilee you know we can conceive of how at least a few hundred uh could come back for an in cobra convention where they can learn more about the reparations movement and see how to get more involved with the reparations movement and then also we did some uh, networking with key people there who attend the Jubilee every year. Unfortunately, um, many of our board members, including myself, I, I not intended to leave early. I was going to stay through Sunday, which is when, actually, some of the uh, presidential candidates um, were there and other, um, I don't know if say celebrities is the right word, but other politicals uh, were there as well. And unfortunately, um, many of the board members, including myself, had to leave early. On, on Sunday, so we weren't able to do as effective job as we wanted to do on Sunday. However, 
we, we still did have our presence, as I mentioned, all throughout the week from Monday through Saturday and a little bit on Sunday. And we also made, um, net, again, did networking with the community college, with the, uh, as I mentioned earlier, the city council woman. Um, had a conversation with uh, Brother Ben Chavis. Um, ben Chavis is the executive director of the National um, Black Publisher Association, which is a, the, the National um, Black Newspaper Association. And um, he was, you know, shared with me that he would be excited to work with us in, in getting the word out around the uh, our convention coming up in June. Uh, I also met an elder from the reparations movement who is from Selma, uh, Mama Ama, also known as Cindy Owens. Uh, she was married to Major Owens, who was the first uh, state legislature to uh, first legislator to introduce a bill for reparations. Right around the same time that HR 40 was introduced, he introduced a similar bill at the state level at the in, in Massachusetts. And, um, and so she shared with, with me some of her involvement with that as well as some of her involvement with working with Conyers and Reparations Ray Jenkins even before uh, he introduced H.R. 40 and telling me how many people were thinking it was too radical and they shouldn't uh, try to introduce such a bill. So it was very good to meet her and, and network with her and get some firsthand stories of some of the those um early days, uh, early, I don't say early days because the reparations fight goes back to before slavery ended, but that period of time that she was uh, a part of the um, reparations movement. Um, also, we met uh, Malcolm X's daughter. Uh, one of his six daughters was there and was honored, uh, Sister Malik uh, Shabazz. We also met local ministers and community activists and elected officials while we were there that all said in you know some way or other they would be interested in, in working with us and supporting the Incorpor Convention. So Brother Shabaka, what 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 say you in terms of um, your experience in the day that you were there in Selma and our uh, outreach to um, get people to support our upcoming convention? Well, you know, as I said earlier, you know, I was very impressed to see uh, a large turnout of youth, their participation, their involvement, their activism, and uh, and dialogue. You know, they were they were talking. Uh, the conversation, like I had at the mock trial, with people who were attending, who were coming uh, from different parts of the country. I met uh, several people uh, from who uh, flew down from Detroit, Chicago, even uh, Los Angeles. I mean, it was it was very impressive for them to come over and commemorate uh, this this uh, historic uh, event. Uh, as you mentioned, uh, the ability to begin the network <clears throat> that comes from the interaction, you know, positive session. There was a lot of work now. I don't want to downplay the fact that a lot of work went into the preparation, and of course, behind a lot of work, you know, is usually the, a few people. When you like to get mm -hmm. more people involved. We'd like to get more people involved to distribute the work uh, equitably, you know. But you know, sometimes it it, it takes those uh, those frontline people uh, pushing that work. But that that work effort was was good, and and it turned out networking is extremely key. All right, for those activities. In fact, if it wasn't for networking, uh, 
expounding the word on reparation would probably not be uh, as pronounced as it is today. Uh, people usually see, as they say, politics are local, and people are usually involved in their local activity. But when there is a sh- sharing of activity, you know, we're not just getting shot in Selma, Alabama, uh, Washington, D.C., Philadelphia, PA, all right, or in Atlanta, Georgia, we're getting shot all over. All right, so now what seems particularly uh, prevalent in your particular area is now wide blown. And then you see different areas beginning to uh, spring up, different groups beginning to spring up. And then when they come together at certain uh, events like you, we had here over the weekend, they begin to find out that they're not alone, that these things are not alone, and that there is some sharing of activity. It makes it easier for us when we say, well, all of this is associated with our need uh, to bring reparation. I found out, and I think that uh, uh, it's important as we begin to uh, talk about reparation, begin to talk about some of the manifestations and uh, term terminology that is used by people to mean reparation. For an example, uh, commonly in uh, the South, or at least in my uh, show journey throughout the South, people refer to reparations as 40 acres and a mule, or particularly mm-hmm. uh, which goes back to uh, uh, Sherman, you know, coming through mm-hmm. to uh, Georgia to Savannah. All right, so uh, we never got that. We were promised that. All right, mm-hmm. some people got a little bit of that. But in terms of the full brunt of those people who ate it, uh, and this becomes a ex- very important his- history lesson, uh, that the so-called slaves were not just following Sherman as he marched. They were also the people who were infiltrating. They were the intelligence that was brought back that assisted. All right, Because, unfortunately, the arrogance of some Europeans, particularly Southern Europeans, that we didn't have much sense. They would school a lot of planning, all right? They just considered us slaves without intelligence. You know, but we know that the, the process of enslaving us was to de, to remove our intelligence and make us subservient. So there was a lot of uh, interest and examination as we did talk about Sherman, his promise of 40 acres and a mule, and if you listen to Dr. Claude Anderson, he says, well, not only 40 acres and a mule, it's 40 acres, a mule, and a hundred bucks. Because at that time, they knew that Africans who were enslaved, black people, call it whatever you want to call it, all right, had no resources to be able to uh, financially take care of themselves since they were dependent on the slave master, all right, for just about everything. So therefore, if they so-called free they would need at least some resources in order to live. And resources would definitely be land, mute to assist in the cultivation of that land, and of course, according to Dr. Claude Anderson, some money to be able to buy those resources which was necessary uh, for feed, for the, uh, for the animals, uh, seed for the planting, and a whole bunch of other things that farmers at that time and nowadays would need. Uh, So um, a lot of information was transmitted. We see the common day uh, emphasis and we see also the the, uh, interaction and interconnection 
of a lot of stuff that we do. Uh, just to give, because you had mentioned it er- earlier, uh, let me um, let me repeat uh, which which you mentioned earlier, which was the the injury areas, uh, the uh, the five injury areas. Uh, we call it peoplehood and nationhood. Now, what that means is that. <clears throat> You know, when we came over here, we did belong to a nation. We did have an ethnicity or tribe, as some people like to term. Well, that was destroyed. Mm-hmm. We did have a language. Mm-hmm. That was destroyed. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, most of us are Christian. Some of us are Muslim now. But we were practicing other things. That was destroyed. All right. And so uh, as a consequence of that, being forced to do something else, that has had an intrinsic impact on our ability to to operate, particularly in an environment that is hostile if you don't practice the way they want you to practice. Education. Well, we already know, I mean, we we weren't allowed to read or write during the slave period, and then we were denied the funds, all right, to build our school systems and to build something in which we could use to develop our communities, all right? We were given false information misinformation that has to be corrected health as you mentioned all right well you know all of the indicators of health we're at the bottom all right we die faster in fact what i found out is that the average age life expectancy i should say of a african man born in this country is 64.9 years you know, 64.9 years. Think about that now. <clears throat> That's the average. Half live mm-hmm. a little bit more, half a little bit less. More importantly is the fact that for the African woman born in this country, it's 75 years. Mm-hmm. Ten years, she has no man. Her mate is gone, <laughs> technically. All right, think about mm-hmm. it. All right? Uh, so that has to be addressed. Criminal justice, I can't say too much about that, you know. Uh, the breakup of the family, uh, the criminal justice system uh, reimposed slavery on the African community. And of course, wealth and poverty. We produced the wealth. We are impoverished because the Europeans took the wealth, hid the wealth. Well, they didn't even hide it. They just took the wealth. And you can't have, I think, uh, Bernie Sanders, as I was listening to a debate when he was attacking uh, Bloomberg, the billionaire, said there shouldn't be any Bloom, uh, billionaires. And, of course, a lot of our people look at it. Why not? Well, remember now, this whole Ukraine billionaires, he said that uh, just uh, Bloomberg alone, his wealth was equal to or more than the bottom 125 million people in this country. 125 mm-hmm. million people, he had more wealth than that. Now, why should a person have 125, <laughs> a wealth greater than 125 more million people? <laughs> we have people who are homeless. We have people sleeping out on the street, all right, people who can't get jobs, all right. Uh, that hasn't benefited us. And, of course, it hasn't benefited many of uh, the Africans who were veterans uh, who served in all of the wars that this country has made, all right, only to be put out on the street. So uh, I bring that point up because we have seen that uh, associated with the inflictions current, so we're not talking about just past slavery. We're talking about what continues to happen has created injuries to our people, which makes it extremely difficult for us to function. And there's been uh, many remedies suggested uh, to bring about that. So I saw the ability to uh, network. Didn't mean to talk so long, 
but you know, networking opportunities, begin to exchange ideas. Uh, you did mention Adolf. Adolf is, is, is a reparation uh, movement that has a slightly different uh, view, but they have a slightly different view. We have a, a different view. We all have different views, uh, you know, based on our orientation. Uh, so uh, you don't know about those views or uh, contribute to a better understanding of those views unless there is some dialogue. All right, and right now it's important for us to dialogue. <clears throat> it's important for us to take a very strong position. Uh, sometimes some people say we're not, but it's a very important to take a strong position when these European candidates come down into our communities and tell us that they can't get elected without our help. Well, we should say, what are you going to give us in return? And then have the media there blast that, have them sign it in their blood if necessary about what they're going to get in return if we help them get elected. Uh, so uh, all of this is reparations. All of this is demand, and all of this represents putting ourselves in a much stronger posture uh, so that we can negotiate and really represent uh, the interests of our people. And to be able to begin to do that is uh, if you haven't become a member of Encobra, Become a member of Encobra. You can go to our website. I'm going to pitch my commercial right now, www.encobraonline.org. That's spelled N-C-O-B-R-A online.com. Got all the information about our convention. Come to our convention. Our, uh, our convention as a convention, as you know, is for members, but you can sign up. You can even sign up there. You just will not be able to vote because you hadn't been a member that long. And begin, but you can talk. You can dialogue. You can network. You can share. All right. Uh, give your, your views based on your experience. All right. And become functional because we are a coalition, not just uh, an, a, a membership of individuals. We're a membership of different organizations. Uh, so, bro, I didn't mean to burn your ears, but you uh, wanted me to share, and I saw a lot of positive things come out of that. I saw people working hard. I saw the youth becoming involved. All right, I saw networking going on. I saw a dialogue. People didn't know what we were about, but became a little bit clearer. They shared with me uh, what they were experiencing. Uh, I'm not so so heavily involved in electoral politics, they're telling me why. So it was interesting. I see why now they are. And so uh, not to condemn, but I, I get a better picture from their perspective of why. But you've got to have dialogue. We've got to be talking and see if we can find a commonality by which we can support. Uh, thank you for allowing me to speak, but uh, I, I thought it was a positive experience. I'm sorry that I had to leave a little bit early in order to get to my flight which was out of uh, Atlanta. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you for that, um, Sharon. Appreciate your, that perspective and and your continuous support of Encobra. What I wanted to do is I wanted to share a little story, and then I will wrap this up. Um, while I was there, I came across an a, a activist who had written a book about what he called the Courageous Eight. And the Courageous Eight were people who who started something called the Dallas County Voters League in 1920. So he argues, in, in addition to us talking about the 55th anniversary of the Voting Rights Act, we need to also go back 
and look 100 years ago in 1920 when this group of people in Selma started what was known as the Dallas County Voters League. And to me, if you understand it, and I didn't have, haven't, didn't get a chance, I didn't get his book, but understanding just the basic um, information about his book means that there was a long history, in it, and it makes sense that Selma would be the, the launching pad or the birthplace for a reparation, excuse me, reparations for the for Voting Rights Act because of the uh, long-term work of the Dallas County Voters League that kind of set the energy in Selma that would bring us to a Voting Rights Act. You know, he shares in, in his book that they started, I believe, shortly after World War One, uh, and we know there's significant in our uh, history of, of people of African descent because often that was also another time when there was a lot of the uh, lynching. We just had what was called Red Summer was partly a result of that as the uh, as our uh, ancestors came home from World War One, um, not. Uh, sometimes wearing their uniforms or in other ways just um, white supremacy wanting to put them in their place or uh, what have you or feeling like they should have some more rights now that they just fought for this country and and so um, many of them were attacked and, and killed and lynched and different things like that in this time but a lot of it, some of it was around voting some of it was actually around voting as I've come to understand after World War One and World War Two, and so this group started around that time, the Dallas County Voters League, and and it's an important story. So I encourage people, if you want to do a little bit more research, the author's name is William Waheed, and you can go and check out his book called The Courageous Eight, and to find out more about some of the, um, we could call it, I guess, prehistory to what ended up evolving out of Selma in terms of Bloody Sunday. So at that, so again, we'd like to just thank um, Brother Shabaka, our national treasurer and uh, active member of NCOBRA. who's was in the um, uh, Baltimore, Maryland, D.C. area. And again, thank Brother Scotty Reed, who's our engineer uh, for this show. And you've been listening to Conversation Reparations, brought to you by NCOBRA, the National Coalition of Blacks for Reparations in America. And again, we will give out that website, which is incobraonline.org, N-C-O-B-R-A, incobraonline.org. Uh, you can also reach me, Brother Jumoke, directly at reparationsj at gmail.com to speak to your school or church or organization. That's reparationsj at gmail.com or 678-437. 7882 again 678-437-7882 listening to Conversation Reparations the Selma Jubilee 2020 Reparations Infusion Report and no it ain't all about the dough but my people still cold reparations is true so just give me what you know capitalists are the enemy but we get treated like the villain when prison is homicide cause they making a killing and war generates more loot so that's why Bush is going off half cock like Joey but a few don't care about jobs, it seems. So I gotta use my pen to get money like an ATM machine. The economy is at its 